0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 8th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Several individual cities have legalized marijuana. Colorado has imposed a new tax on the drug. Dan Riffle, director of federal policies at the Marijuana Policy Project, will discuss that and the likelihood that D.C. will soon join the ranks of areas that have legalized
1: marijuana. In the city of Portland, voters in, in Portland, Maine voted to decriminalize up to two and a half ounces of marijuana, so there'll be no more penalties, at least under city of Portland law, for possession of up to two and a half ounces of marijuana. However, the police chief in the city of Portland has already said he's going to essentially bypass the, the voters and continue to enforce state law in the matter. Uh, now Maine has decriminalized possession of marijuana by the state, but there's still a $100 fine, whereas the the penalty in uh, in Portland actually is zero, there is no, no penalty. Uh, it's completely legal under the city of Portland, under the, the initiative that just passed. But we'll see how the how the initiative is enforced there and whether the police chief in Portland actually continues to issue citations uh, to marijuana users. Around the rest of the country, three suburban uh, cities in Michigan, outside of Detroit. Ferndale was one, a couple others in, in Michigan. Uh, also decriminalized possession of marijuana. And by decriminalized here, I mean, again, removed all penalties for possession of marijuana. And then maybe the biggest one is in Colorado voters, Uh, passed Proposition AA, which puts a 15% excise tax on wholesale sales of marijuana, as well as a 10% sales tax on uh, the sales of marijuana to consumers in Colorado. There were a number of localities, Denver was one of them, who also passed additional taxes uh, in Colorado on sales of marijuana, and those will be used to fund, uh, you know, regulatory enforcement of the program there in Colorado. So what
0: has driven uh, cities to sort of want to jump in? I mean, states Cities exist at the pleasure of states. Mm-hmm. What has driven cities really to jump in here and get out ahead in terms of uh, legalizing marijuana or decriminalizing marijuana?
1: So I think, as the action of the sheriff or the you know police chief in, in Portland shows, these these municipal elections and municipal initiatives are largely symbolic. But uh, symbolic victories are still victories nonetheless. What you often see is state legislators around a state saying, "Well, you know, marijuana penalties and, and legalizing marijuana." I'm not going to do that because I'll you know, lose an election. I'm not going to do that because my constituents don't want that. And what we can do with these you know, municipal elections is show, particularly in an off-year election like this where you know maybe organizations like MPP and, uh, and other organizations don't want to invest a great deal of money in a statewide initiative. You know, we might want to wait until 2014 or even better, 2016. In the down years and the off years like this, we can use these municipal elections to show legislators and elected officials, look, this is something that you know, people in your state, people in your uh, district support.
0: So in Portland, this was was this the easternmost uh, city in the United States to actually legalize marijuana?
1: This is the first election on the East Coast where voters have chosen to legalize marijuana. And we got almost 70 percent of the vote in Portland. So this wasn't even a close decision. I mean it was an overwhelming landslide victory.
0: OK. Now with respect to these suburbs, uh, suburban Detroit mm-hmm. essentially, uh, what are the dynamics at work uh, there that – Made that happen.
1: Well, it's all over Michigan, and and you know this year there were three cities in Michigan that voted for this. But I think over the last six or so years, we've had maybe twelve cities in Michigan that have voted on these. Uh, city of Lansing actually was one of the ones who voted this year. Ann Arbor, uh, Livonia, Ferndale. There's been a number of cities around the state that have that have passed these initiatives, and you know again, same deal. They just show to to legislators in the state that people are tired of marijuana prohibition. They're tired of seeing law enforcement resources used to arrest and prosecute people for possession of something that's safer than alcohol. They'd rather see those law enforcement use, uh, resources used to, you know, prevent and solve real crimes and go after real threats to public safety. Now, now
0: given the the strains on budgets mm-hmm. in the Detroit area, was that at all part of uh, the decision by these towns to move ahead?
1: Yeah, and not just in Detroit, but around the country. You know, I mean, we're, you know, ca- there's a lot of cities and states that are cash strapped that are, you know, looking to cut back in their budgets, tighten the belt, we always hear. And this is one way that, you know, we've been wasting billions of dollars over the years arresting and prosecuting people for marijuana possession. Uh, and there's just, you know, smarter things that we can be doing with that money, not only with that money that we're using, but we could also be raising revenue, uh, you know, as, as the voters in Colorado showed with their passage of the tax measure there. With respect to the uh, Colorado tax uh, that has been imposed,
0: Jeff Myron, a researcher here at the Cato Institute, has looked at uh, sort of the impact of ending the drug war broadly, more specifically with marijuana. But he says uh, a lot of these revenue claims that have been made about uh, marijuana at the state level are probably overstated, at least by the people who are promoting uh, legalization. Do you think that's fair?
1: Well, I'll say this, two things. Number one, uh, revenue should not be the, the determining factor in, in making marijuana legal. Uh, I, you know, It should be looked at as icing on the cake. It's just silly to be using law enforcement resources to arrest and prosecute people for this. It's silly to drive people to drink when there's a substance like marijuana that's much safer than alcohol. It's silly to have all of this revenue accrue to Mexican drug cartels and criminals rather than to legitimate, licensed, tax-paying, law-abiding businesses. And those are all the real reasons why I think marijuana should be taxed and regulated like alcohol. The fact that you know cities and states may be able to make a little bit of revenue off of it, again, should just be looked at as, as icing on the cake. And with respect to you know, the amount of revenue that people should be able to expect, you know, I think one of the keys is to make sure that uh, tax rates are variable because it's going to take us some time to determine what is the, the right you – know the, the Goldilocks tax rate that we need that's low enough uh, that we can undercut the black market and put the black market out of business but high enough that we can pay for you know, enforcement of uh, you know, marijuana regulations without you know, sending people back to the black market.
0: President Obama – Eric Holder obviously had been paying attention to the, the changes that we've seen. Do, does this election tell them in more clear terms uh, what their marching orders ought to be with respect to having the feds enforcing federal law in the states that have legalized or decriminalized marijuana?
1: Yeah, I, I think it does sort of confirm their suspicions that you know, this is something that's happening, that the American people are ready for it. I think the Gallup poll confirms that as well. Uh, I think another, you know, in terms of federal policy, another interesting development is what's happening here in D.C. where the D.C. Council has introduced a bill to decriminalize possession of marijuana. Uh, Mayor Vince Gray here in D.C. endorsed that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, You know, what's interesting, in 1998, voters in D.C. passed a medical marijuana initiative and Congress, which actually controls uh, the budgeting process here in D.C., used that budgeting process to block implementation of that medical marijuana law, essentially overturned it for a period of about 11 years until that was repealed in 2009. This you know, decriminalization measure has been moving through in D.C., and we haven't heard a peep out of anybody in Congress about it. There's no reason to suspect that Congress is going to do anything about it, that there'll be a, you know, another bar Amendment type uh, you know, measure used to block implementation here. Because, again, uh, you know, whether it's people in D.C. Council or people in Congress, they, they're starting to get it. They understand that this is a popular mainstream position and that most Americans are sick and tired of marijuana prohibition. In D.C. specifically, I'm glad you brought that up. What are the dynamics at work in
0: terms of uh, whether or not that is going that process is going to move ahead? What might that look like? And do you have a prediction about whether this particular piece of legislation will become law?
1: Yeah, not only is this particular piece of legislation going to become law, but I think it will be improved over the, the weeks and months ahead. We heard at the hearing, you know, one of the reasons why this uh, bill has been introduced and why there's been so much momentum for decriminalizing marijuana in D.C., is a report published by the ACLU, which showed that uh, black and brown citizens in D.C. are about nine times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than than their white counterparts, even though whites and blacks use marijuana at about the same rate. Uh, So, you know, that's been the impetus for introduction of the legislation, which was accompanied with a $100 fine for possession. No criminal penalties, but still a $100 fine. And a lot of the witnesses who testified said, you know, look, the problem that we have now is that this is disproportionately enforced against you know, poor minorities across the river in Anacostia in DC. And so uh, one of the proposals that was put forward, which was embraced by virtually everyone there at the hearing, was to reduce that fine to about $25. Uh, So I do expect it to pass. I expect an improved version of it to pass. When you look at who's co-sponsoring that on the council, we've got about three quarters of the council or more. There's really not a whole lot of opposition there. So the mayor's already endorsed it. I, I fully expect it to go forward to pass, and I don't expect Congress to do anything to stop it.
0: Dan Riffle is Director of Federal Policies at the Marijuana Policy Project. You can read more on the war on drugs and its many failures at our website, cato.org.